Matinee Talk. We're going to talk about it right here. It's Tanae Talks right here, we gon' talk about it right here We gon' talk about everything you like, I'ma make it real, real clear It's Tanae Talks right here, we gon' talk about it right here I'ma talk about everything you like, I'ma make it real, real clear Cause it's Tanae Talks And I'ma talk about it Yeah, cause it's Tanae Talks And I'ma talk about it Welcome to the Tanae Talks podcast, the podcast that educates and entertains, the podcast where you come to laugh and learn. I am your host, Tanae, uh, aka Tanae Talks, and this is my co-host this season. Hey, what up, though? It's me, it's Terrence. It's Terrence, you know, he co-hosting this season as this is the wedding season as we have chronicled our journey from engagement leading up to our wedding that will be on May 15th, 2022. So yesterday, Mark, we're recording today on Sunday, January 16th. And um, (laughs) yesterday marked four months to the big day. So we're super excited about the wedding and we're just excited that you join in on today's show. Today's show, we will be talking to the 1,000 pound couple and the couple, they lost a thousand pounds together. You may remember the wife. She was on a previous Tanae Talks episode a few years ago called uh, My 500 Pound Life. So you'll get to see her today. She has lost weight. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Ray Skin Essentials. Ray Skin Essentials is a natural skin, hair, and wellness store. All of the ingredients used are carefully sourced and curated for each product. 99% of organic of the product is organic and free of preservatives and parabens. Visit www.rayskinessentials.com. Follow Ray Skin Essentials on all social media platforms at Ray Skin Essentials. That's R A E S K I N Essentials. Y'all know how to spell it? <laughs> Use code TANAY down in the note. That's T Y N E E and receive 15% off your entire order. And if you did not know, I use. <laughs> Array Skin Essentials. I ain't telling y'all to use nothing that I don't use. It's proof in the pudding because baby, it's almost done. I'm used to use my own code and shop for some more toning cream. Y'all see the, you see the complexion. You see it. You see it. <laughs> <Glowing>. <laughs> is, okay. Um, but without further ado, I'd like to welcome Whitney and Quentin Wheeler. This is, a, this is a clapping reel. It's a clapping reel. Okay. What up, dog? <laughs> what up, dog? <laughs> y'all looking good? Hey. I got a glow to y'all. Look at Whitney smiling from ear to ear. <laughs> hey, girl. Hey. California. I see it. Um, I have Whitney and Quinn here. Again, Whitney was a previous guest on My 500 Pound Life. And Lori beat Sagat. 
We can say we ain't 500 pounds no more. Not no more, honey. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Won't he do it? Won't he will. And yes, he will. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm so glad to have you on here. I'm so glad that you decided to take your life back. I just love that. You always say that when you know, follow her at Big Girl Working Out. Um, that she's always saying that she has to take her life back. And I'm so glad. Uh, Whitney and Quentin were married in 2016. And Whitney is from Michigan. And tell my guests a little bit about you and Quentin and how you met one another. Yes. <laughs> Y'all really want that story? <laughs> Give me the, the cliff notes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Long story short, right? This is my college sweetheart, okay? So we met on college campus. You know, he, um, I was sitting looking busted, okay? One of these days at, you know, those early morning going to uh, pick up the books before the crowds, right? Um, so I was sitting there. He walked up. Um, is anybody sitting there type of atmosphere? Um, and yeah, so he asked for my phone number. I gave it to him. And we were in a different city in a way at college, not knowing that we were actually from the same hometown. We yeah, grew up yeah. like 10 minutes away from each other <laughs> the whole time. So it was like meant to be, right? So yeah, it was like, yeah. He called me like a couple hours after I gave his phone number and it was meant to be. That was in 2010. Oh, wow. 2010. 2010, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> we've been shooting in the gym for a long time. And love that. Um, if, you, if you've been following uh, our story, we too, well, we met at a bar and <laughs> in Dallas, Texas. And we also found out that we were from the same hometown, uh, unbeknownst to us. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we got a lot of similarities. Um, but that's I'm so glad your love, you know, has blossomed and y'all been shooting in the gym for uh, approximately 12 years, right? Yeah. yeah about, 12 years. Years. about 12 years. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So let's get right into it. Um, you, we know that when you get married or you get in a relationship long term, you get what is called the comfortable weight, hmm. right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> You start feeling like, well, I don't know if you just basically like let yourself go, but you just, I guess, lose a little inhibition, right? Y'all eating out at the restaurants, y'all going on dates, and you know, the weight kind of pile, uh, piles on. So tell me a little bit about like your history with weight, you know, prior to being a couple, and then as you got together, you know, how maybe the weight kind of escalated. You know, for, to be completely honest, we both struggled with our weight. Um, we met fat, <laughs> you know? So uh, for us, our story, I always say this is my, this was my eating buddy. You know what I'm saying? Um, I was actually bigger than him when we first met. Um, and when I, he ended up moving to where we live now in Springfield, Missouri, before I moved here. And when I moved to Springfield, I was on this 
fitness journey. I started my fitness journey about eight years ago. So I've always been about fitness. And he picked up some weight before I moved here. And when I got here, we were just, you know, it's the saying that um, I thought I, I had this game plan when I moved to Springfield, how uh, we got engaged. I moved here. And I had this whole game plan how I was going to come here. I was going to get him into fitness as well. And we were going to lose all of this weight before our wedding and everything was going to be popping. But it's easy to pull somebody down to, to, then to lift them up. So I instantly came down here and got back into my old food habits. And before I knew it, I was 400, I'm sorry, 543 pounds so on our wedding day. He was about 590 and I was 543, you know, on our wedding day. You know, this was my eating buddy, you know what I'm saying? And it was, I, 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 I like to think of our marriage as food and marriage. Like food was the center of our marriage, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, that was, that was, that was pretty much about our lives when we first, when she first got down here. Um, before everything, we decided to just make a change. It was all about being able to eat and eat as much as we want without having any repercussions and no accountability, mm-hmm. you know. But then things just changed and started getting started getting old. So things we had just had to make a change. Like it was so bad, you know. And we don't have family here and stuff, right? You know, because we're back from Michigan, and you don't realize how bad you're consumed in something. Like everybody has issues in their marriage, right? Like marriage is hard work. Marriage is a ministry, period. But you would hear people talk about the struggles that they have have in their marriage. Like some people have to worry about cheating. Some people have to worry about financial issues. Everybody worry about stuff. Our demon was food, okay? And when I say we were eating buddies, we used to be up in here smashing, okay? Like we would go through liters of pop. <laughs> like yes. we, it wasn't like, like we would have issues about food. You know what I'm saying? Like right. I we would fight. Did you eat my food? You ate my leftovers type of argument. Oh, you wow. Know, like, it, <laughs> yeah, it, it was serious. Yeah, so I want to kind of, I can relate to drinking the leaders of pop. When I when I was pregnant with my son, that's, all, that's the only thing that satisfied me and it ended up leading to gestational diabetes because I was drinking a liter of pop every day. It just, to your point, it was more comforting. So... Terrence and I were also talking about maybe using food as a, a refuge. And so for me, I am a, a emo, what is it, an emotional eater? Mm-hmm. I'm an emotional eater. So if something tragic happens to me, I use food, food as my coping mechanism. So it basically started, I guess I didn't really, maybe it would happen earlier, but it didn't dawn on me that it actually happened to my mother passed away. And was comforting to me. Like, let me eat everything that maybe that she cooked or my grandmother cooked to make me feel close to them. And it just, you know, packed on the pounds. If I lost a job, I'm going to eat, you know. And what about you? Can you speak to using food to cope? Like we were talking about earlier, um, with me, I know one time earlier in the ninth grade, it was pointed out to me because I was depressed about losing a girlfriend. And my auntie was just like, you must be sad. And I said, why? She was like, because you haven't stopped taking them chips back into your room and eating all the zebra cakes. And so when I do notice, I have noticed that 
I do emotionally eat, especially when I'm just feeling just down and frustrated. I'm just going straight for the sugar, straight for the cakes, straight for the chips, the salt and sugar, just until I feel better, you know. Um, and is that something that you guys did? I know you, you know, you said that you didn't have much family there. So was that like emotional for you? Like food is our, our third family member, some, some, something that's familiar to us since we don't have our core group here. I definitely think that that was both of our issues and we hadn't resolved those issues. Um, for me, because I lost my mother and my grandmother, you know, from obesity, I had those unresolved issues and baggages. And then he had his own unresolved issues with food. And here you go, two food addicts coming in to this relationship. Oh, this your issue? Like, same as like a drug addict. So we both taking in and now we both got the same issue and bring that same issue into our marriage. Wow. You, you know, so that's what it was. <laughs> so it was like, this was our high. I'm talking about, I remember it being to the point where we would take our, like we would use, when we were like struggling, like even financially, we, we would go back and reevaluate our bank accounts and realize like all of our finances was going towards food. Mm. Like that's how bad it was. You know, like we were, it was, it was, it was bad. Like, I'm like, there's no reason for us to be broke. Where's the money going? Like, why are we spending our last $5 on a burger? You know what I'm saying? Like it was, that's how bad it was. Like we were like really wrapped up in food, you know? Um, and we didn't see a way out, you know, and and we didn't realize how bad it was because we didn't have that accountability of our family being able to see us. So when I left Michigan, I had just, I was uh, right at like 400 pounds. So none of my family saw me because I was on this weight loss journey. And when his family left, he wasn't even for, were you even 400 pounds when you had left Michigan? I think I was around maybe like. 370. Yeah, so when we, so knowing them, none of our family had seen us for years, so we came back on our wedding day, and it was like, whoa, who are these people? So nobody had seen us, and on our wedding day, we were barely even able to stand up at the altar. Like, on our wedding day, we couldn't even stand up to greet our guests. Mm. That's how bad, like, I had to buy a new wedding dress because I couldn't fit the wedding dress that I purchased originally. Mm. Like, that's how bad it was. Um, it was so bad to the point where I could not tie my own shoe. My husband had to tie my shoe for me because I couldn't bend over to tie my shoe. And no, none of our family knew how bad it was. Mm-hmm. Like, it was so bad down here. Um, I remember we took a trip. One of my cousins passed away and we traveled down to Kansas City, which is about an hour and a half away. And we went to the Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, Cheesecake Factory. And we went to the Cheesecake Factory and we had to uh, walk up the stairs because it was a second level. I couldn't walk up the stairs. So I had to sit on the stairs and all of the guests that were walking 
to all of the customers that were walking. I had to sit there and people were like flooding walking and I had to sit in the stairs and I had to remember squeezing sitting because I just physically couldn't walk up the stairs. And then when we walked up there, the seating was so bad. I didn't even think I would be able to sit in there. And those were the type of things that we dealt with as a couple. <clears throat> it almost put us into a place of isolation. I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to travel because I just couldn't physically do it. So how does that play on your mental state for both of you? Where does it take you mentally? It was so bad that it sent me to a place of depression that I, every day I thought I didn't, I didn't know if my husband was going to wake up or I was going to wake up. It was sort of, it was literally to a point where I would have nightmares that it was going to be the end, you know, like he was going to, you know, one of us was going to go, you know, and I just didn't know when, and I didn't know how to come out of this. I didn't know, you know, what was going to be that end result. So it was just like that waiting place, right? But I knew a change had to occur and I would try to pick up the pieces to try to figure it out. And I would try to put together a weight loss plan, but he wouldn't get on board with me. And I'm like, well, I'm trying to motivate people, but if I can't motivate my husband, there's something's wrong. Like, how am I out here trying to motivate thousands of people, but I can't motivate my husband? And then I try, then I get pulled back. Then he'll feel bad. I feel bad. We're going back into this cycle. And then that's when the health issues started to come about. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the hardest health issues is when um, I got hit with the health issues. And the, and the doctors told me uh, my blood pressure had shot up so high that it was like 235 over 180. Um, and it was so bad. I went to the doctors. The, I went to the hospital this day. And this was in 2018. And the, the, the doctor told me that I, my weight exceeded. I was 540. And the hospital told me that my weight exceeded all of the equipment that they had. And there was nothing they could do for me. So they sent me home. And it was stroke level. Wow. And I remember coming home and I said this is going to be the night I'm probably not going to wake up and I remember going to my bathroom and I cried and I remember telling my husband like well you know all my uh <laughs> my insurance stuff at work because I'm thinking like I didn't think I was gonna wake up and I remember going to the bathroom I said Lord I know you're not a God of a second chance but another chance and I gotta be able to get this thing right this time because I don't want to die right and I remember going through that and I said, and I remember said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm gonna try to do this thing. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna make it. Mm -hmm. And that was my hit that year. And I started working. And then that next year, my husband and I would now hindsight, I believe it was COVID. I think we had got that first wave of COVID, but my husband couldn't breathe, and we went to the hospital. And he was in the hospital. We couldn't, doctors couldn't figure out what was going on. Mm -hmm. They wanted to go into his heart to figure out what was going on. And I remember going live and we couldn't figure out what was going on. It was so bad. 
and the hospital, the and I think it was God, they end up not operating because they said it was a 50-50 chance that he was going to make a good operation or he wasn't. And they didn't operate because the, the director of the hospital stopped the operation about what 10 minutes before the operation. They were he was he was they they was prepping him for the operation. The doctor, the director of the hospital stopped it because his his weight was so close to the maximum that they thought that the machine equipment was gonna break down during the operation and it could have caused them to basically a lawsuit. So they said we can't operate. (laughs) So so move forward with that because that is over you know it this does seem like a miracle right that the director who has nothing to do with the surgery comes down but as you're talking about these hospital experiences and you're talking about being at the cheesecake factory and all of those things happening where how did did you ever feel judged where how did the judgment affect you right so if you're at the restaurant with people and they're talking about you know, they're looking at you, why she's sitting on the steps or why she got to have two cheers. And then you go to the hospital and then the staff is telling you, we don't got scales for you. You got to go. And then now the director comes and then he says, if we operate on you, it, it doesn't even sound like he's concerned about your husband's health. Sounds like he's concerned about money. So then where do these judgments leave you? And then how do those, these things motivate you to get to uh, the the idea of I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired um, these, from health issues, et cetera. Let's go ahead and make this change together. As far as with the judgment part, it was beyond judgment. It was to the point where I was just broken. You know, it was like, how do you, how did you feel? I mean, as far as with judgment-wise and what people, you know, thought about me, I mean, some instances it did hurt, but I was always a firm believer, like, you can say what you want to, as long as you ain't saying it to my face and being disrespectful, and it ain't like you're going to beat me up about it. So it's like, you can say what you want to, I can care less what you think about me. I'm going to be me, I'm going to do whatever I want to. Um, that's just how I feel. But it came to a point to where, you know, I do have to take in some opinions from other people on how they felt about my life because some of these opinions does matter. So it just, um, it just clicked as far as it's like, you know, you need to start believing in yourself and start, you know, just taking some of the judgment, well, taking some of the criticism that you're getting from other people. But as far as with like people just walking past or saying something or whatnot, snickering. I mean, that's that comes with life. Life is kind of cruel sometimes. But, you know, it, 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 like I said, it can't hurt. But at the same time, you just use it as motivation. You know, just try to make yourself better because everybody's going to laugh at you. You know what I'm saying? They, they laughed at Jesus. So, you know, I just felt like, you know, laugh while you want to. I'm still going to finish first. And for me, I've always been an open book. So, and it's going to sound weird what I'm going to say because I, people always loved us. So even though I know it sound like it was probably like, woe is us, but 
to be completely honest, we always had a lot of love. Like I've always put since day one, like I've we've been I've been on my journey for eight years. I've always put my workout videos out to the public. I've always been open and transparent about my journey and stuff. So even though it's been a lot of me sharing. I have, we have really thick level layer of skin. So it wasn't even like, oh my God, they're talking about us. It was more <laughs> so like, dang, I'm here again. Like I done lost a hundred pounds and I can't believe it was more so judgment on myself. Like, why am I even here? Like, why can't I fit in this machine? Like, why am I here? Like, I watched my mother and my grandmother die against obesity. I know what obesity is. I know obesity is a silent killer. So it was more so like, the doctor ain't even really have to send me home. It was kind of like, I, I, why am I here? Like, you right, bro. Like, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> like, I just shouldn't <laughs> you know and it was so it was so much hurt on myself mm -hmm. I felt like in a sense I was suicidal the, if that makes sense like it's almost like I look at myself I was looking at myself like as if I was a crackhead you uh, I don't care before you pick up a crack pipe, you'd have heard every single story about what crack does before <laughs> right. I make the decision to pick up a crack pipe. So if I make a decision today to go out and buy some ice cream, I know what ice cream is going to do to my body. And mm -hmm. if I still make that decision to go and do so, before I make that decision, I already know. So at this point, I'm being suicidal. So before I even get to that place, I've already known it. So it ain't even about the judgmental part. So when I have to just wake up and just make that decision, you know, to just do that. Right. So when I finally woke up and decided to do weight loss surgery, that was the part that when I finally had to release and let God come in. That's when me and my husband, and it took a lot to get to that place because I, I wanted to do it on my own because I had put in so much time, energy, and effort. I just knew that I could do it on my own. And I allowed so many people, opinions of my family and opinions of so many people uh, stop me, prevent me from going to that area when it was the best decision I could have ever done, you know, and I could have been probably stepped into this glory land. But I remember my mother saying all of this stuff about weight loss surgery. And, and I remember my mother friend going out to get weight loss surgery. And I remember my mother saying, uh-huh, yeah, they ain't gonna do nothing but kill her. But that same friend, my mother, my mother friend who went and got weight loss surgery is still alive and walking around. And my mother is dead and she didn't get surgery. Mm -hmm. you, you feel me? Like, no, yeah. <laughs> like who, yeah. who made the wrong decision? So obesity, we know obesity is going to kill you, point blank, period. So mm -hmm. weight loss surgery, can it cause complications? Yeah, it could. But we know for a fact that obesity will kill you. It's a silent killer. So it was about coming face to face with my own insecurities and making a decision. Are you going to wait for this thing to kill you? Or are you going to do something that could possibly prevent it from killing you? Mm -hmm. So once I came to that, you know, once I made that decision and my husband was on board, 
God opened up the doors for no problem. We didn't even have to pay anything. God just, once we gave it a yes, God moved <laughs> yeah. on our behalf. God sent people, we didn't even have to buy a protein shake. People started just sending stuff to us, okay? Because it was time, you know, and now we're sitting here, oh, about 350 pounds lighter. Yeah. I'm, he's yeah. down 160 pounds. I'm down um, 190. Yeah. You know, and God is doing it and he's doing it. And God started releasing words and different things of that nature. But the change, like yeah. God has delivered us from me alone, hypertension. I had DDD. I couldn't even stand up for more than two minutes. We're able to stand up, walk. Sciatica is gone. You know, we're completely free. Yes. Um, everything is better. Sex life is better. Like, Come on, sex okay. life. Like, <laughs> is better. Like, when you make that decision to just get up and step up and just make those better. And then food is not no longer the center of our relationship. It's not the mm-hmm. center of that marriage anymore. You know, so it's, it's awesome. I love that. So, did you have a question? Yeah, I okay. did. I, um, I wanted to speak to, to, to the brother Quentin. So your wife, Whitney said that there was a point where, you know, she would, she came and she was really on the go and trying to get you motivated. And, but you weren't motivated. Talk to me about, uh, to us, how you reached that point and you made the turn. You know, Gil Scott Heron has a song that says, no matter how far you go in the wrong direction, it's never too late to turn around. T- tell me about that turnaround point where you was just like, you know what? I'm, we we going the other way. What happened? What what was going through your mind? Ah, that's easy. Um, I couldn't walk far. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I I was always the one ever since I would say I graduated from high school. Um, I could walk. I could walk far distances. I used to walk, regardless of my weight. I used to be able to walk like far distances and just continuously walk. Um, I got here and I end up uh, moving to these apartments, I was like right across the street from the gas station and it was a big hill and I couldn't walk up it, you know what I'm saying? I couldn't walk, you know, and I couldn't really go to the store and it just got to a point to where, you know, I would give up and just say, forget it, I'm not gonna go to the store or I'm not gonna do anything. I'm just gonna like have a delivery, come bring me some food or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, or I'm just gonna catch a taxi cab somewhere and Besides financially, man, it just got to a point to where I was like, you know what? I'm kind of tired of all this just being being lazy and not being able to move or whatnot because the way that I got so bad when I came down here to Springfield that, like I said, I just, like, I couldn't stand up for long periods of time. Um, I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk short distance. I couldn't even walk around in the grocery store, you know, do my own grocery shop. You know, it got that bad just after the point of just like, you know, it got tired of it. And I just started thinking about all the times where, you know, when I lived in Chicago, you know, I would walk, I would walk around downtown for like two, three hours and it wouldn't even feel like I was walking, you know, just walking around, just going places. And I just, I just wanted to get back to being able to do that. Mm-hmm. And Whitney motivated me because I saw her kept going. Um, she didn't know that she was motivating me, but she did. She motivated me. Um, I just didn't show it a lot, but she did motivate me um, to get everything back in order. Um, she showed me how to read, you know, like the back of the food products or whatnot to take to notice what carbs I was intaking, all the other stuff or whatnot. But yeah, um, it just got to, I mean, 
just to motivate me, it just got to me to a point to where I just got tired and not being able to move around like I like to. Right. right. Walking is something people take for granted until you become to the point where you are no longer mobile. Mm-hmm. Walk. And yeah. I tell people, you know, people always, people have been inboxing um, us what, you know, about exercising and stuff. I tell people, walk. Just start by walking. We, it was a point where walk from my bedroom I mean from my bed to my bathroom and which is like probably 10 steps and I used to have to hold on to my wall because just to like for that stability mm-hmm. and I tell people don't ever get to the point where you can't take a walk and my favorite walking for people who can't walk or haven't got to that place where they can't stand up and stuff Get on YouTube and just type in one walk, one mile walk from home, how we got to that walking place to be able to walk again. If you get on YouTube and type in one mile walk from home, start there because you're in a number one, you're in the privacy of your own home because some people aren't comfortable, you know, being out there in public. I don't care if it takes you an hour to do that one mile walk from home. Pause, sit down for about 30 seconds, stand back up, push play, and keep going. But do that one mile. And then you can transition to the three mile walk from home and keep going from there, but it will get you started. And one thing about that, it does your it gets your pace. And we went from I went from 200 steps to 20,000 steps at 400, 500 pounds. You know, <laughs> you can do it. And if we can do it. I encourage anybody to be able to do it, you know. Um, and far as even with the food, because weight loss starts in the kitchen. Yes. Simply eliminating carbs, and it's not about a diet, you know. And it's not even and and for the record, for people, because a lot of people say, "Oh, it's weight loss surgery, baby." We lost. I lost 120 pounds in months before the surgery. I've lost more before my surgery than after my surgery, just for making, you know, finding a certain lifestyle to be able to implement. So it can be done. It's possible. It's all about finding a lifestyle that works for you, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I want to touch on the walking thing. Uh, for me, uh, I, I struggle with my weight going up and down as well, just because I said I'm an emotional eater and we live in the world and the world has been crazy. (laughs) Um, But luckily uh, for myself during the pandemic, I didn't gain the pandemic weight. I actually lost weight during the pandemic from walking. And I have health, I have sciatica, (laughs) bursitis, arthritis. I know it sounds funny. I always think of the Martin episode, but (laughs) I have, (laughs) you know, those things and arthritis is hereditary. Um, when I do ex, uh, strenuous, when I do strenuous workouts, it causes me to have residual pain, and the pain is uh, on a scale of one to ten, it's at fifteen point eight. So for me, I have to walk, and I would encourage anybody walk. I, I do a daily walk every day. I do it on my Snapchat. I do it on my Instagram. And if I, if I miss a day of walking. Or like I had COVID a few weeks ago when I got back to walk and people was like, oh my God, I'm so glad you're back walking, you know? And, you know, I have people inboxing me crying because, you know, we're not in our twenties anymore where if you go on a fad diet or whatever, the weight kind of just drops off a little bit, or if you just make a, 
a minor tweak, the weight drops off. We're in our 30s, heading to our 40s. So now the weight just is like, no, I'm sitting here. I live here with you now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they were, you know, crying like, oh my God, like what I, and, and I tell them, just walk. For me, it's walking. Even if it's slow, right? It's not a quick, like if you're doing a um, total body workout or what do you call it when you go to the gym and do all everything? Cross training. Cross training. It's not as quick as a cross training, <laughs> but it does help you like maintain your weight. If you mm-hmm. a little bit, it helps you to maintain and it helps you lose slow and steady. Sometimes we'll win the race as long as you stay in the race and, you know, don't get off. And right now, I just want you to kind of tell, uh, you mentioned your mother and your grandmother, you know, losing the weight. And I know your brother, uh, he lost weight. He looks so fantastic. Mm-hmm. How important it was for you to break the generational curse of obesity, like how important that was to you and what it means to you to do that for even future generations or the, the, your friends. How important is it to break that generational curse? Yes, absolutely. Um, So um, I lost my mother and my grandmother in their 40s from congestive heart failure. And both of them, they were um, in their 300s, but they were a lot shorter than me. They were both, uh, my grandmother and mother were both like around 5'2". So, and they were like 350 pounds. So, you know, pretty round, right? Mm -hmm. And... um, my mother was 44 and my grandmother was 46 when they uh, both passed away. And anytime you hear that, you know, someone lose, you know, passed away in their 40s, that's super young, especially when, you know, they're, they've struggled with obesity their entire life, right? So um, my brother he started his weight loss journey too and he's down 170 pounds um he's pretty much at his goal weight and we when anytime you're dealing with a generational curse you know that that fight is going to be extra hard and for me no matter how hard i was going on my journey i would always cap out right at 400 pounds you know so i knew that this was a generational curse that i had to fight so when god wanted me to be able to get my weight loss journey i mean this weight loss surgery i knew that when i hit that table i was fighting for not just my story but this this was going to break generational curses on a lot of women you know what I'm saying because this was a fight and I knew that my story and my journey was going to impact a lot of women who were suffering from this specific generational curse right so um I knew my fight was special you know what I'm saying and a lot of women have been you know reaching out to me who you know have have similar stories who haven't been able to break that that cycle so um yeah so i know that um when i got on that table i, I pray and i intercede for a lot of women and i know that this is my ministry mm-hmm. and i and i and i i try to you know minister to a lot of women who are doing it but one thing that i realized is that weight when you're, anytime you're dealing with obesity, 
what you're looking at on the outside is nothing but a reflection of what you're dealing with on the inside. Once you learn to deal with the issues that you're dealing with on the inside, rather it's brokenness, hurt, fear, depression, what all of those things that we deal with, addictions, the things that we deal with on the inside, those are the generational curses, right? Once you come face to face with those things on the inside, then the weight will begin to lose on the outside. So that's why I struggled for eight years because I was trying to carry things like the hurt of my mother passing away. I hadn't came to that acceptance, right? I hadn't released all of the brokenness, things that I had been carrying, baggage from my childhood, baggage from um, her past relationships I was trying to carry into my marriage, right? Things that I was holding on to, I would emotionally eat through. And those were the things that was causing me to emotionally eat. Mm-hmm. Now that I, you know, before I could even get weight loss surgery, God had to deliver me from those things. And there's so many women that needs to go through deliverance. And once you go through that deliverance, once you're healed from that brokenness, mm-hmm. and that's what I want to help women go through. And I'm actually almost finished writing my book. And that's mm-hmm. what we're kind of dealing <laughs> with. Um, and that's what I'm kind of dealing with is you know, helping you walk through all of those things. And um, it's going to be powerful, you know, and it's really my book reflects on the eight years and the eight battles I had to deal with. And it's about Mm -hmm. overcoming those things. Because unless you go through that, I don't care if you get weight loss surgery, I don't care if you lose 200 pounds, you will gain every pound back, because those familiar things will come back and it will haunt you every single time. Because if you haven't learned how to deal with those brokenness that you've been dealing with, baby, you go eat again. With yeah, throw these glasses through this screen. <laughs> I th- you, you absolutely right. Did you, baby, you spoke a word, baby, I'm going to get the eight uh, struggle, the book, walking through the eight struggles. I don't know the title. It's <laughs> gonna be walking out of the coffin. What? So, because that's what this is. Because that's that's what it was. It was trapped. That's what I was trapped in this coffin. My body. My body was a coffin for eight years, and I tried to walk out of it. I tried to walk out of that for eight years. But until you fully go through your deliverance, that's when you would be able to walk out of it. And God had to carry me through that first before I was able to walk in the glory. And the glory is that new body. Whitney, I, so he would stop me at out. that wall for eight years. I yeah. would stop at that wall, but now I can walk in my purse. Hey. Hallelujah. Whitney, Come on. Up with your fine you, you walked out that coffin. Now, this should be finished by, we're looking at September, so I'll okay. keep you posted. Let me know, you know, I'll put it on today's talks. Now, Quentin, yeah. Um, Whitney is very transparent of the things that she had to release in order to shed some pounds. What did you have to mentally shed? Even if it was something from childhood, even if it was one word that somebody said to you, you know, because I, I there's something that has stuck with me my whole life that I resounds in my head that I just I think I've kind of let it go, but. It's there. So what's something that what's some of the things that you had to shed internally? Oh man, internally. That growth for God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have to say my spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. 
I had to get right. I had to get right because I've never been a spiritual person. Like I, I, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't grow up around the church. I'm nothing like that. Um, Whitney got me, um, got me in church. So, <laughs> so that, that, that was a good. That was that was a blessing in disguise. Like serious, a serious blessing. You know, uh, just being in the church, a new way of thinking. Um, it just got that got me right. I mean, it actually got me really, really right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then another thing that sticks out to me, um, I just had to share some doubt. Like, are people gonna like me if I lose weight and become somebody different? Mm-hmm. Um, how my family gonna feel if I switch up this, my, my my mentally thinking and the way I carry myself? Mm-hmm. Um, like how people at work probably view me or somebody else. I mean, I just had to, I had to get rid of that self doubt. Like I'm gonna be, like I'm gonna change, but I'm still gonna be me mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So I, I I know that's gonna happen as far as when we change it. I'm still gonna be me. It just felt like. If I change, are they still gonna like me? Mm. Like if I retire from if I retire from the game, are the fans <laughs> still gonna love me? <laughs> no. so saying you kind of took on the persona as being Big Quentin. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you kind of reveled in being Big Quentin. That was oh yeah, absolutely. That that was me, Big Q, all day, every day, every, mm. from highest note. I, I would say from middle school. Middle school, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. That's, That's a good point. I've mm-hmm. been Big Q all my life. Everything. Mm-hmm. It's always been Big Q. Yeah. You know, so. Look, <laughs> and we, I had to, you know what, and that's such, I'm glad he said that because I said that too because me and my husband, like, we're very popular people mm-hmm. and we've always, you know, like, <laughs> I'm talking about like, we always come in like, kind of like, how could I say it? Like, we come in kind of like the life of the party. Like, we have hard, like, we're like the cool yeah, people, yeah, right? Yeah, you yeah, know? Right. And I've we're always cool said, kids. like, are we, do we bring that energy because we are the big people? Do people love us because we bring that big people energy? Or, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, are people going to embrace us the same if we have these new vibes? It's a whole new world. Mm-hmm. when we have that where people still love us if we you know what i'm saying like i don't know it's kind of weird so we're no, i get it i completely we've get always it. been big you know what i'm saying when people right. still love us because you know i've always carried my i think so like mm-hmm. carry myself a certain way but when people think i'm arrogant now you know i've always I mean, you've been arrogant and you still of, gonna be it's okay <laughs> you know, but then will people appreciate yeah. that or right, right, right. or will I get because I've been feeling, you know, some people that used to really bang with me, mm-hmm. the energy is changing. And I'm like, well, wow, you switching up on me, you know, and, and that's weird. And I'm glad you said that because mm-hmm. people will switch up on you. And I'm yeah. like, wow. Because people want to keep you in that, you know, that category, you know, what, and I think that is a, a character, a, 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 just a bad characteristic on humans sometimes, 
if you didn't have money and now you get money, it's like, oh, they think that because they got money now. No, I was always this. Or this was the fat friend. Now she right. Like, what if I'm not the fat friend no more? So that's a lot. Well, I just want to thank you guys for coming on today talk today and you know, motivating us, motivating the audience. I hope. And then I know that someone will be inspired by this story. I can't wait to even show updated photos six months from now to say the thousand pound couple lost even more weight. They took back their lives. They have walked out of those coffins and don't be afraid of the change. Um, you know, whether family or friends or whoever can get on board, you, you are fighting for your life. And if they can't understand that, then they're not, you know, meant to be there. So, you know, I just want you to give some closing remarks that you would say to a couple or an individual trying to take their life back through any addiction. You touched on something so important as identifying food as an addiction. The addiction is as strong as crack. We, we know about crack or we know about, you know, the marijuana addiction or the methamphetamine addiction, the pill popping addiction, the, the Waukesha addiction, but something as uh, everyday as food is really a number one addiction. So what are your closing remarks uh, to motivate the people? And I don't care what you're battling or what you are facing right now. Just know that you are bigger and better and stronger than it all. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. If we can do it, just know that you can do it too. This is your season. This is your victory season. Walk in it. I know a lot of people are saying new year, new me. Just know that we are already in the middle of January. Step in and walk in, and this is your season. This is your season. Just know that this is your season. Walk in it. What you got to say? I just got to say, um, don't let other people define you. Come on. Define Come on. <laughs> you are regardless on what you look like. Don't, yeah. let, don't let the status quo stop you from being great. Also, advice for married couples. <laughs> Come on, give it to us. Advice, <laughs> advice <laughs> for married couples. I'm telling you. Be silly. <laughs> do not, I repeat, do not put your wallet in your wife's purse. <laughs> <laughs> now you're talking. Never see it again. Oh. <laughs> You'll have a you'll, you'll, only way you'll be able to get it back is if you sign a permission slip. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wrote no, it down. You guys got to forgive me for that blasphemy. <laughs> I just thank y'all so much. Terrence, do you have any closing remarks for the wheelers? Man, shout out to y'all. Congratulations on the victory that y'all have already, you know, surpassed. And I wish you well on this journey. You know, I wish you strength, energy, and wisdom as you go forward and face your other challenges, man. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. I do want to say, don't Sorry, forget. Oh, go ahead. I just said, thank you guys for having us. Yes, oh, my pleasure. Thank you guys so much. I must say that today's show was brought to you by <laughs> Ray Skin Essentials. <laughs>
<laughs> right. <laughs> so don't forget to use code TINE, that's T-Y-N-E-E, and you will be able to get 15% off your entire order. Remember, Ray Skin Essentials is a natural skin, hair, and wellness store. All of the ingredients are used uh, used are carefully sourced and curated for each product. 99% of the products are organic and free of preservatives. Visit www.rayskinessentials.com and at Ray Skin Essentials on all social media platforms. In true Tanae Talks fashion, this is your moment to give your shout out. So who you giving a shout out to? Oh, I'm giving a shout out to everybody that's watching. Shout out for y'all keeping us love. Oh, I do want to give a special shout out to my little brother, uh, Stephen Michael. Go by Mooka, a.k.a. Mike G. Greatest rapper on the planet <laughs> right now. He's dope. Check him out. He's always on my Instagram page. My, my wife has shot him out a few different times. Go listen to his music. It's pretty dope. Shout out to the finer women of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Happy Founders Day. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh, yeah. And I'm gonna give a shout out to the women of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. We just celebrated 114 years of service to all mankind. I just want to give a shout out to all the lovely ladies of the Divine Nine. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Terrence, hey, Terrence think we gangbangers, Whitney. He called <laughs> I love all the talkers out there. Be sure to tune in to this episode dropping soon. Remember, Tanae talks and you listen.